0: good morning everyone man it's good to see you guys happy sunday to you you guys excited to be here all right good good we're going to get right into it this morning. We're going to study God's Word. My name's Aaron, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. If uh, you don't have a Bible with you, I'd urge you, we have a bunch of them out there in the foyer. Grab one. We would love for you to be able to have your own copy of God's Word. Um, it's free. You can have it. Take it. Okay? If you don't happen to have one with you here today, um, I'd recommend you can get the uh the version app. It's very simple, just on your phone. You can download that and use it. Um, also, I just want you to know everything we'll be talking through will be available right here on the screen so you can follow along and check it out and make sure I'm not making something up. I might do that, you never know. Uh, so you can check and make sure. Hey, we are in our second week of a series called This Is Us. And I'll explain to you in a minute what what that's all about and why we've titled it that, but can I, can I start with just kind of a, a, an idea this morning? I want to, want to start with something that I've been mulling over, OK? Here's what I found. There can be a real difference between who we say we are, right? And who we are actually taking next steps to be. Or let me say it another way. There can be a real difference between who we say we are, what we say is true about us, and the steps that we are striving to take day in and day out to actually be become something. Does that, does that, does that make sense to you? Here, here's why I say that, okay? I have found uh, in my own life, this can be true for me, so I'm not, I'm not just talking about like, other people. I'm talking about myself, too. But I've found this to be true. Talk is cheap. Right? Man, talk is cheap. You can say anything, but to do it is something different. Would you agree? You ever had somebody say to you, hey, I love you, I love you so much, I would do anything for you, and then your experience with that person was very different, can you identify, yeah, you ever have someone say, oh, I promise, maybe you've said this, I don't know, this is you, (laughs) I'm sorry, but have you ever said someone, or ever had someone say to you, oh, I promise, I'll pay you back, trust me, you know me, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back in two weeks, it's two weeks, I get paid, it'll be fine, two weeks comes and goes, and (laughs) Uh, I got a handful of nothing. I've had that, why? Because talk is, is cheap, anybody can say anything, But to do something is different, and the reality is that there's just this this thing in in our world that when you say something and you don't back it up, people, (laughs) they learn whether or not they can trust you, but when you say something and then you back it up, the reality is that your actions speak volumes. This is why we say what actions speak louder than words. This series is all about who people at Bridgewater, this collection of people, okay? We're a messy bunch. Can we just look in the mirror for a minute, okay? We're a messy bunch. Um, I don't know if you showed up here today expecting church to be filled with just, like, perfect people who have their hair all right and everything. I'm up here in a flannel, okay? Come on. You know, we, 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 are, we are real, messy people. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is something that comprises who we are striving to be. Okay? I don't get this right all the time, but this is who we're striving to be. And the beautiful thing about that is that this lines up perfectly with Jesus and what he's called us to because Jesus didn't just call us to simply believe what he said, okay? Jesus didn't show up on the scene. Okay, I don't know if, if you're new to church or new to the Bible. It, it's not that Jesus shows up in the scene, on, the, on the scene and just says, I want you to believe everything that I say and just stick to all of that. And as long as you believe everything that I say, you're, you're, you're good. No, he went a step further. See, Jesus actually called us to do what he did. And so if you're a Christ follower here today, if you have trusted Jesus, This message is for you. If you're not sure about Jesus, you get get to look in, uh, you get to check it out and think about it for yourself. But I want you to know that what we're going to talk about today is all about action and doing what Jesus told us to do. In fact, the passage that we're going to look at is John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, one of the verses we're going to look at, Jesus said this. In verse 15, it says, you should do As I have done for you. So, whatever he's gonna talk about and whatever he's gonna demonstrate and do, he calls you and me to do this very same thing. If you're here and you are 13 years old, this is for you. Okay? If you're here and you're 21 and all of life is in front of you and the world is your oyster and you think you are, you know, untouchable and nothing could ever happen to you, this is for you. If you are 40-something, uh, whatever I may be, and, and b- have begun to realize the fact that, you know, life is uh, 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 harder than, than, you, than you think, this is for you. If you are 60 or 70 or however old you are, Jesus is going to speak to you and to me, whether life is great or life is difficult, whether life is bringing you joy or sorrow, Jesus is going to speak to you and he says we should do as he has done for us. Let me show you the passage and show you what Jesus calls us to do, okay? I'm going to walk you... Let me give you a little little bit of idea of what we're going to do today. I'm going to walk you through a part of the passage in John chapter 13, okay? And then I'm going to kind of unpack some of the background, and eventually we'll get to the spot where we talk about what we should be doing, okay? So let me show you, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 13, okay? John chapter 13, verse 1, says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. A couple things I'll point out real quick. There, there's a reason this word Passover is here, and there's a reason that it talks about Jesus loving them to the end. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 2 says this. It says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Boy, that took a sharp turn, didn't it? It opens up, and it, you know, it's the Passover, and and Jesus loves all of his followers, and bam, Satan's like in charge of somebody and calling him to betray Jesus. Hmm. Now, if you've never read this, that's probably something that you weren't expecting today. Okay? That's all right. We'll unpack why in a minute. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. Okay? He, He knew what God had called him to do. Now, before I show you what he did in this passage, I want to unpack a little bit of the background, okay? Because we can move forward to what Jesus does, and we can miss the beauty of the background. So there's three three questions that, that I was just mulling over this week that helped me understand the background. Let me show them to you. Question number one is this. Why does it mention the Passover and Jesus needing to leave? The author is a man named John. He was one of the 12 original disciples. He's there. Why does, why does it bring up the Passover? Question number two. Why does it talk about Jesus loving these, these people until the end? Why is that such a big deal? Okay? And question number three. What in the world is the deal with the devil and Judas? I don't know if Judas went down to Georgia or what, but something <laughs> happened. Okay? Right? These questions help us understand the passage. Let me walk you through why I think they're there. First, the first question: Why does it mention the Passover and and Jesus leaving? Well, let me explain to you what the Passover is all about. Because I, I don't know if you have a Jewish background. I don't have a Jewish background. I've I've been able to dedicate you know my life, my my adult life to studying the Bible. I've been able to. I don't know how many times I've been in Israel now, but you need to know. What the Passover is all about, okay? We find out about the Passover in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, in a book called the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 12, let me show you the first time Passover is talked about. Starting in verse 21, it says this, then Moses, this is, Moses was a man that God raised up to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, Okay, And these great plagues have been coming on the great nation of Egypt, and God is trying to get Pharaoh to to let his people go. This is the final step. Moses called all the elders of Israel together, and he said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat. Okay, So go home. Here's what you should do. Go home and get a lamb or a young goat. How many of you have a... Don't answer it. I I, I don't have a lamb or, or a young goat, but this culture, it was very normal. Okay, go home. Pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families, and slaughter the Passover animal. You understand what they were going to go do? They were going to go home, and they were going to this. This this animal was going to give its life. Okay, verse 22. Drain the blood into a basin. Okay, seems kind of weird to us, but in that culture, actually quite normal. Drain the blood. Catch it, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it in the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frame of your houses and no one may go out through the door until the morning. Okay, what are they to do? Take this blood, put it across the top of the door and on the sides. Why? Seems kind of weird. Here's why, verse 23. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians, but when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and to strike you down. And that night, every house that did not have blood over the door and on the sides, the firstborn of everyone died. And yet God provided... Okay, listen, God provided a covering, God provided a way out, God provided a way that that the families could be passed over. Why does it bring up the idea of the Passover in John 13? It's because He's introducing to us something that Jesus is about to do. John is alluding to the fact that any Israelite would know that God had promised that eventually there would be a Passover lamb that would be the one to take care of all Passover lambs. Eventually, there would be someone that would come so there'd never have to be another sacrifice. Eventually, there would be a Messiah that would take care of all of us if we just turn to him. John is alluding to the fact that Jesus is that Passover lamb. Why is he going to leave? Well, the lamb had to give its life. The lamb had to die. Question number two, okay? Why talk about Jesus loving his followers until the end? That's a good question. Now, I'm not going to unpack all of this right now, but I'm going to tell you something. His followers were a lot like you and me. His followers, um, they, they were messy, They were messy. And we're going to find out in the coming chapters, like if you read on from here, you'll find out that some of them deny him. And they're like, I never even knew the guy. What are you talking about? But Jesus continued to love them all the way up. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this right now. I don't know all the stuff that's going on in your life. But Jesus is continuing to love you regardless of how messy you think you are. And Jesus calls us to love other people regardless of how messy they are. In fact, John John tells us um, in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, he says this, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Well, how did he love them? He loved them to the end. He loved them when they denied him. He loved them when they didn't believe him. He loved them when they betrayed him. This is the context in which the passage that we're looking at today finds itself. He loved them to the end. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. Okay? All right. So question one. What, what does it mean? Why does it mention the Passover? Question two, why does it talk about him loving the people to the end? And question number three, what is the deal with the devil and Judas? Here's the thing. This is, this is big. Jesus already knew, don't miss this, Jesus already knew that the devil was leading and guiding Judas to betray him. And I want to show you what had happened just before this. Matthew, another one of Jesus' followers, he was a tax collector. He records this in Matthew 26. He says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, he went to the leading priests and he asked them, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. How much money can I get? By the way, Judas had been the treasurer. He was trusted. He'd been stealing money all along. And now he's looking for more. It goes on. And we find that Judas took the money and accepted the opportunity to turn Jesus over. Now, why does this matter? Okay? Well, here's why. Knowing everything that he did, okay? Knowing everything that he did and everything that was about to happen, Jesus knew that he was about to become the Passover lamb. Jesus knew that that Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Knowing everything that was about to happen, what did Jesus do? Can I show you? He's there. He's having a meal. He's sitting with the disciples. He knows all of this. Can can we just pause for a minute and think, what would you do? Like if I knew I was about to get stabbed in the back by one of my best buds, I'd kind of be like, bro, what's up? Let's chat. Don't stand behind me. (laughs) Right? If I knew that I was in my last day of life, the list of things that I would be doing. What's on your list, right? What does Jesus do? Verse 4 starts to tell us in John chapter 13, look. It says this, so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, this is hard for us to grasp. But in that culture, when you took off the outer robe and you wrapped a towel around your waist, you were sending a message. It's like this. If I, if I were to walk in here today with, a, with a, a jersey, a basketball jersey, and a pair of shorts, and a pair of basketball shoes... What would you think I was? Okay, you'd look at me and you'd be like, clearly you're not an athlete, but you know, uh, maybe. <laughs> okay? If, if, if I, you know, you, you get the picture. I would have the uniform of a basketball player. Jesus was putting on a uniform. It was that of a servant. It was that of a slave. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he went further, verse 5. After that, he poured water. So not only is he, not only is he projecting himself or putting on the, the, the uniform of a servant, now he's doing the actions of a servant. He's pouring water into a basin. Okay? Now again, in our culture, this is not what a servant per se looks like, but in that culture, This was one of the chief things that a servant would do before a meal and when everybody gathered together, pour water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. In that culture, that is what a servant Would do. They would recline. They didn't sit at a table like we sit. They would have a table that would be here and it'd be very low and there'd be pillows and you would recline and so you'd be kind of like this and your feet would be over by your neighbor. Trust me, you want your feet cleaned or at least you want your neighbor's feet clean. And that's what Jesus did. So let me go back to the statement, okay? Knowing everything that he did and everything that was about to happen, he knew he was about to die. He knew it was his last day. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. What did Jesus do? Jesus began to serve. And I don't know about you, but I just can't get over that. Because that is not my first reaction. My first reaction is, pay attention to me. Serve me. Let me get what I want or think I deserve. And yet, remember, we are not called to simply believe Jesus. We are called to follow Jesus, to do what he did. Jesus began to serve. This is is why here at Bridgewater we, we have a saying, but please do not miss this with me. I could care less whether you know the saying, I care more whether you are striving to be this, okay? The saying goes like this, saved people serve people. And I love it. Like I love it until the person I have to serve is a jerk. And I love it. I really do. Like I love it as long as they see me and give me recognition. And I love it as long as I don't get treated like a servant. But that's that's not the call. The call Knowing everything that we know, that may mean knowing what you know about somebody who's hard for you to serve. Knowing everything that you know about your boss or your neighbor or your spouse or your children. And let's just face it, sometimes our children are sinful. We're called to serve. Let me show you the rest of the text, because in the rest of the text, I think there are a couple of things that stand out for for you and me, steps that we can take. If we're actually going to be people who do what Jesus did for us, these are some steps that we can take, okay? Starting in verse 6, look. Here's what it says. He came to Simon Peter. So here's Jesus, they're reclining around the table, and he starts slowly and methodically going around the table and begins to wash the feet. And then it comes to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter is kind of like the, the official, unofficial leader. He's the, probably the oldest of the group. Um, he's kind of the spokesperson of the group. I would guess he felt like a little bit of pressure to set an example for the others. And so Jesus says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And it's kind of implied that he's kind of saying, like, you're, you're not going to wash my feet. You don't, no, you don't wash my feet. You don't wash my feet. And Jesus responds, and he says this to him. Listen, you do not realize what I am doing. You don't realize right now what I'm doing. But later you will understand. Okay, Simon Peter, you don't understand it yet. You don't get it. But when I'm gone, and when people are in front of you that I'm going to call you to serve, eventually you're going to understand, hey... Hey, this is the way to greatness. We think greatness is about being, you know, this big and recognizable and power and riches and money and whatever. Jesus is flipping that on its head and he's saying the only way to greatness is to go straight to the bottom and to start serving. He's flipping it on its head. And Peter objects. He says, no, no. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, he's he's passing the mantle. I think what this text is saying, I'm passing this mantle onto you. And so unless you let me serve you, and then you learn what it looks like to actually serve other people, you do not have a part with me. Can we just pause for a minute and say, how many Christians have missed this? If we do not serve, we are living as if we have no part with Jesus. That's problematic. Let me me make it even harder. Knowing that Peter was going to deny Him, he washed his feet. Knowing that Judas was going to betray Him. He washed his feet. Knowing that all the others were going to scatter, he washed his feet. And he says, if you do not let me do this, and then you go and do it as well, you are showing that you really have nothing to do with me. Whew. That's heavy. So Peter responds in his typical Peter way. And he's like, okay, don't just wash my feet. Wash everything. <laughs> Look, he says, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. Wash it all. Okay. Okay, Peter, we get it. We get it. But then from there, Jesus says to him, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. I, I think this is important. It gets a little tricky here, okay? I, I'm, there's a lot of different ideas about what this is talking about, but can I, can I share with you my idea? I think he's saying people who come to Jesus, people who come to him for cleansing... They don't get it through washing of feet. They get it through the shed blood of Jesus. They get it through this Passover lamb that's about to come, okay? But let's not forget, we still need to go back to Jesus, and we still need to get cleaned up because we're all a little messy, right? Come on now. Let's be honest. I saw at least one hand. Thank you for being honest, okay? (laughs) Okay. You are clean, but look at this. Though not every one of you. Uh Uh-oh. Who's that? We'll find out in a minute. Can I give you a picture of why this was like such a big deal? Let me show you a couple of pictures. This is what people would have walked around on. Look, here's here's a pair of sandals that have been excavated from from, uh, 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 an area around the Sea of Galilee. It's believed that these are from about the first century. Can you imagine walking around dusty uh, in, in something like this, you know. Let me show you what, you know, here, here, here's, here, you understand what would have happened. And Jesus says, I'm just going to wash, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to cleanse, I'm going to wash your feet, okay. What does this have to do with you and me? Here's the thing. This was a really dirty job. How would you like to wash somebody's feet? It's a nasty job. In that culture, it was reserved for the lowest servants. Here's what Jesus is saying followers of his will be willing to be the lowest servants. They will be people who are willing to do the dirty work. I don't know what the dirty work is at your home, I don't know what the dirty work is at your job. I don't know what the dirty work is in your community, but for us to follow Jesus, this is what we are called to. Sometimes the dirty work involves serving people who just complain over and over and over and over and over. Some of you have, do- have jobs, but that's what it requires. Can I just urge you? You're not alone in that. Jesus has gone before you. He sees you. He knows. He understands. I I don't know of anyone who who demonstrates this better than moms. Can, Can I just say that again? Like, moms are amazing. And I'm not saying that because it's like their job or that's what they're supposed to do. But there's just, I have watched so many moms just day in and day out, over and over, get up and take care of children and, 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 pardon me, but wipe butts and do the stuff that nobody else wants to do and clean up where the, where the, the, the toddler boys don't seem to understand that it's like 18 inches around and there's room and, and they just continue to make messes everywhere. And moms, day after day after day. So first and foremost, I want to say thank you to many of you but second of all men i want to be honest with you pick up the mantle bro serve find out what your wife or or find out you know what find, i'll just say this find out what your wife hates to do the most and start doing it do the dirty work okay within the context of the church We're called to serve as well. The problem is, we have a consumer society, and many people do not serve. I came across this quote several years ago. I was reminded of it this week. A man named Francis Chan, he pastored for a number of years in Simi Valley, California has traveled the world as a missionary, he said this, the moment you begin to believe that the church can be healthy while you sit on the sidelines, you've given up on God's plan of redemption. The moment you begin to think that that following Christ is about showing up for a service and sitting here and listening while other people serve, you've missed it. You've missed it. That's not what we're called to. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I am called to teach and equip you and build you up so that you can be a part of God's work in this community. And there is nothing more satisfying than being a part of seeing God change lives. But that will never happen if we just keep sitting. we got to get up and serve. That's what we're called to. Going on in in the chapter, verse 11 says this. Remember, let me just remind you, he says this, you are clean, though not every one of you, right? And then he explains it. John explains it. For he knew who was going to betray him, Judas. And that was why he said not every one of you was clean. Not everyone believed that Jesus was who he said he was. Not everyone believed that Jesus came to to seek and save that which was lost and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. Judas did not believe it. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? Here's what that has to do. We need to serve even our enemies. You got that guy at work. You got that gal that just seems to have it in for you. You've got the neighbor who lets his dog come and poop on your lawn. I don't know what my fascination is with poop today. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll move on. I don't know who your enemy is, but I do know the fact that you recognize him as an enemy tells you you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to serve someone. And that's what Jesus did with Judas. Knowing what Judas was going to do, knowing what was about to occur, he served Judas. I think it's important as well that he didn't just ignore the fact that Judas was in the room and that, that Judas was going to betray him. He said, not every one of you is clean. He brought it up. He's making it clear to Judas. Sometimes we're passive-aggressive and we're just like, we, we, we ignore people. Let's not do that. Let's be honest. Let's talk. Let me finish out the text for you. Here's what it says. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to his place. So here they are, reclined at the table, eating a meal, and he says this, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you see? The one who, by the way, is very God of gods, Lord of lords, spoke the universe into existence, if we understand the scriptures, that Jesus was there, and his words spoke the world into existence. His words, hold it together, became the lowest and went around and washed the feet. Do you understand that? Do you understand that it's it's not like find the weakest one and have them serve everybody else? No, it's whoever's at the top better be serving all the way down to the bottom. Then he says this. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and those are words of reverence. You think I'm your teacher, and you're right, and you call me Lord, you call me master, you're right, that's good, because that is what I am, but now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Here's what he's saying. He's saying very clearly, we need to serve even our enemies. We need to do the dirty work. We need to live as Jesus has lived. That's what I'm called to. That's what you're called to. That's why I love what, what, what Matthew says in Verse 28 of chapter 20, he says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is, this is the call. Like we, didn't, we don't show up here so we can earn enough money to just be served and taken care of and, and have whatever we want and do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whomever we want. We are a people who are called to serve and to give up our lives. It's an upside-down kingdom. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're called to. Now, let me show you the last two verses in this section, and we'll wrap it up for today. John chapter 13, verse 16 says this, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So whatever Jesus went through, we should expect to go through. Whatever Jesus did, we should expect to do because we are not greater, right? And we won't receive different treatment. There won't be different expectations. We are called to follow in the footsteps of the one who set our example. That is Jesus. That's what we're called to do. But then he tells us something that is so huge and he helps explain part of why um, so many people, I think, in our culture are, are flat out miserable, okay? Verse 17 says this, look, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. This word blessed here, in the original language, it's I it actually means, it has this idea of not only a blessing, but happiness and joy, If you do what I tell you to do, if you do what I did, you will be blessed. You will experience happiness and joy if you do them. You want to know why people are so miserable? It's because we're self-absorbed. And we were never meant for that. You're meant for something bigger. So here's what I want to call you to knowing what you know about your family, your spouse, your children, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your ex, your whatever it is, whoever it is, you are called to serve. Jesus had every reason in the world to just be like y'all a bunch of jerks, I'm out. But he didn't. I want to ask you to serve. In fact, I want to ask you to consider serving in a specific way, and then I'll talk to you. Uh, there's also some, some, some other ways, but here's a specific way. When we move here in a couple of weeks, okay, when we move from one service, where we're all gathered together here, to two services, I want to urge you, okay, to attend one service and serve in the next one or serve in the first one and and attend in the next. I know it's crazy. You can mix it up however however you want. Here's why. Because I believe that there are more people in this town, in this city, in this area who need to know Jesus, and God's going to use you. God's going to use you. But don't stop there, because here's the thing. Real service, real service Is practiced in the church. We practice it here, but it's perfected in the home and in the community. So what's it going to be? Knowing what you know about the people in your life, are you going to sit on the sideline and miss out on the blessing? Or are you going to choose to serve as Jesus served? Would you pray? Father God, I am thankful that you are not just a God of talk. You are a God of action. You've stepped into our lives and you didn't ignore things. You didn't didn't ignore our needs. You saw them and you did something about them. God, I pray that you would help us to see the needs around us. I pray that you'd help us to see the people around us. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to use whatever you've entrusted to us to serve others. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he laid everything down for me, but thank you that I also get to follow in his footsteps. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.